Today on Outflow, we're going to pick up where we left off last week as we discuss the question, how do you break soul ties and keep them broken? So now if you're ready, grab your Bible and something to take notes with. I'm Alan King. This is Outflow. Again, last week to look at a subject that um, uh, is very important uh, concerning soul ties. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there was so much more to consider on this subject. So today we're going to go back and we're going to do part two, um, I guess you would say, uh, on the subject of how do you break soul ties and keep them broken. Uh, I want to deal more with the the spiritual aspect of soul ties today. Soul tie definitions can vary very widely to include both godly and ungodly soul ties, sexual soul ties, mutual soul ties, and so on. While the Bible does not explicitly discuss soul ties or soulmates, um, the word soul tie, the, the phrase soul tie is, is not in the word of God, but we can find many examples of soul ties within the Bible. And so in looking at the word of God and what it says about uh, those kind of relationships and, and examples of soul ties and so forth, um, I, I, I feel like we're able to formulate from Scripture Uh, examples in scripture, we're able to formulate a biblical definition of soul ties. Uh, So what is a soul tie? Uh, A soul tie is an an emotional connection or a bond with with another person or another thing or something else, whatever it is, that unites you. Uh, you I said last week that a soul tie doesn't necessarily have to be a person. Uh, It can be a pet. It can be a job, it can be a place, it can be a habit, um, it can be ministry. A soul tie can be ministry. Um, but a soul tie is the spiritual component, and we're talking primarily about relationships, relationships with people. A soul tie is the spiritual component of any relationship. Its original purpose is to draw people closer to God together. And again, there are good soul ties and bad soul ties. Good soul ties will work to draw you closer to God. And and if you have other soul ties in your life that are that are heading in the same direction, you can draw closer to God together. Soul ties can develop over time and can naturally become stronger or weaker as the, the two people in a relationship become more attached or more disengaged. These relationship or uh, these relationships or these soul ties can be formed uh, biologically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Some of these connections are destructive and ungodly, and they're commonly referred to as ungodly soul ties. God created us as social creatures who are completely dependent on Him. He also wants us to be deeply connected to one another. 
It's a beautiful thing about being in the body of Christ is he's called us to dwell together in unity. So even though soul ties aren't directly mentioned in the Bible, that doesn't mean that they're not in there. It simply means we need to be clear what we're talking about. Again, soul ties are the spiritual side of any relationship, and they are a gift from God. God uses them to help us commit to one another. Their purpose is to help us stand firm and bring activities in our lives through to completion. God wants us to be connected to one another so that we can live out his divine will for our lives. Their rightful purpose is to promote wholesome unity and oneness in the body of Christ. They are the natural byproduct of our relationship. Soul ties can be mutual or they can be one-sided. Mutual soul ties occur when two people have a relationship with one another. Uh, They love or hate each other, and they're aware of the impact that they have on the other person. For example, married couples would have mutual soul ties, which are are wonderful. Uh, One-sided soul ties occur when one person is excessively attached to somebody who may not even know that they exist. This could happen when one person falls in love, but the other person is not reciprocating. It's a one-sided relationship. When that occurs over and over again, uh, generation after generation, we can begin to see how a generational pattern is formed. So if your great-great-grandmother fell in love with the strongest man in the village who didn't even know her name, and then she settled for your great-great-grandfather, then your great-grandmother fell for the best-looking, richest feller in town, but married your great-grandfather instead. Then your grandmother fell in love with Elvis, but married your grandfather Joe, and now you're comparing every man you know to Ryan Gosling. You might see how the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um Let's just take a quick look at the different ways that soul ties are created. Uh, We touched a little bit on this last week, but I want to I want to go into deeper detail. I want to show you how how good soul ties are formed in a godly, healthy way, and then show you how uh, Satan has twisted and perverted them for uh, for his own destructive purposes. Uh, so let's start by saying there are five types of soul ties. Uh, first of all, they're biological. Of course, that includes your family. Uh, those those should be healthy soul ties. Uh, they're they're biological. Um, I can't conceive of what it would be like to not uh, not have a connection with my family. I have a very strong family. Uh, not just my wife and my children. I have four daughters, uh, but you know, I, I even have I even have ties to my my two son-in-laws, uh, sons-in-law. Um, you know, uh, I, I I like my sister. You know, um, I, I even speak to my mother-in-law. We have biological soul ties. Nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Uh, it, it should be natural. Um, and then there are number two. There are social soul ties. Uh, the people you work with, uh, the people you go to school with, the people you interact with on a daily basis. And again, nothing wrong with those as long as they stay in the proper context. The third one is a little different. 
the third one can 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 have some issues. Uh, there are emotional emotional soul ties. There are emotional soul ties. Strong soul ties are forged out of shared experiences and emotions. Some good, some bad. Uh, consider Ruth and Naomi. Their mutual loss, their mourning, their uh, their grief impacts Ruth to such an extent that she decides to cut her biological and social ties to her past and form a deep connection to her mother-in-law, Naomi. It's a beautiful story. Remember when Ruth declares to Naomi, um, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you because where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'm going to stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. She's made a commitment. And we see how God uses those moments of revelation to weave outsiders into this family tapestry. And it's a, it can be a beautiful thing. On the other hand, we've got Satan doing his best to get us emotionally tied to, to wrong people who will ultimately bring us to our own destruction. We all know that if we're headed downhill, there's no way to get there faster than to bring somebody out, somebody else down with us. I'm sure you can think of countless examples where you did something that went against your better judgment because that's what everybody else was doing. We talk about peer pressure. What we are essentially talking about is soul ties. People are so connected to their peer group that they no longer have the desire to act independently. And that can that can have great results or it can have devastating, mostly, most, most all the time, devastating implications. And then fourthly, there are spiritual soul ties. Since we're spiritual beings, we learn best through through relationships. God gave us the ability to impart wisdom and knowledge and skill and spiritual gifts to one another. Throughout the Bible, we see examples of, of mentor-mentee relationships. That's God's primary vehicle for transferring information. You've got uh, Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy, and most importantly, Jesus and his disciples. God's model for education is a spiritual one, and it's a beautiful thing. What we impart to one another matters. I I believe so strongly in in the principle of spiritual fathers and spiritual sons, um, spiritual fathers imparting to their spiritual sons. I think that is such an important thing. Um, God expected us to share his words. He commanded the children of Israel to teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, to share those things. But again, Satan uses that vehicle too, and he takes us wildly off course. When this important relationship is corrupted, we see evidence of picking up either other people's bad habits, false ideologies, toxic mindsets. Instead of instructing one another in the ways of the Lord, societies become flooded with corrupt systems of thinking. And then fifthly and finally, there are uh, physical soul ties. Soul ties. Probably the most well-known method of creating a soul tie is, and, and we again we touched on this a little bit last week. 
but uh, w- one of the most well-known methods of creating a soul tie is through sexual relationships. These soul ties can be formed through any kind, any kind of sexual activity. God created us with an intense desire for oneness, to be known by another person, to be seen, loved, and appreciated. And those desires are designed to be fulfilled through marriage and the sexual union between a husband and his wife. We come together physically and we bring forth new life. But Satan spoiled it. So now we see this holy, beautiful uh, entwining of two separate, distinct people becoming one, being used to sell everything from cars to liquor uh, to potato chips. We defiled the wedding bed. We no longer appreciate the sanctity of marriage. We have turned people into commodities so that we can buy and sell and manipulate and abuse them. People find themselves losing count of the number of sexual interactions that they've had. Their desires are becoming more violent, more destructive, more perverted. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Soul ties are meant to unite us for the glory of God, but Satan has used them to bind us. Many of our primary relationships that ought to be good and holy and supportive and caring and nurturing have been destroyed or tangled by our sins and the work of the enemy. We have permitted negative soul ties to creep in and bind us God designed soul ties for our good, but but Satan has taken advantage and has succeeded in in knotting the lines. You know, as a pastor, I have seen the damage that's caused by unholy alliances and perverse relationships. I understand the pain and the heartbreak that's caused by divorce and dysfunctional families and broken friendships. Despite our best efforts to move on, you might still be feeling like your spiritual progress is severely crippled. There's an old hymn that that starts out this way, Blessed be the ties that bind our hearts in Christian love. This is valid where the ties are in fact godly because they produce a godly legacy and outcome. Many people are unaware of unnatural and ungodly ties and of their negative legacies and outcomes till it's too late. These soul ties affect us in so many ways, but especially spiritually. If a soul tie affects us in any aspect of our lives, it's usually spiritually. As I was doing further study on the subject of soul ties, the Spirit of the Lord began to deal with me about one of the greatest strongholds that the enemy has in our lives that causes us to have dangerous soul ties, and that is unforgiveness. You know, we think of soul ties as being something where I am tied to somebody because I love them. I'm I'm tied to somebody because we have something in common. We, We like the same stuff. We like to go to the same places. But soul ties can can be can be darker. Uh, you can be tied to somebody, whether you realize it or not. You can be tied to somebody as a soul tie because of unforgiveness. Pe- people can be bound to others through the bitter roots of unforgiveness. And many times we don't even realize it. 
we know something is wrong, something is going on, something is making us miserable, but we can't quite pinpoint it. We say things like, I will never forgive them for what they did to me or, or, or to those close to me, or unwillingness to forgive for fear of being hurt again. It also prevents God from responding to our prayers. You know, the Bible says, God said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord cannot hear me. That's the word of God. And as hard as it is to do, we have to choose as an act of our collective will to surrender to Christ all unforgiveness, all anger, bitterness and resentment, all hatred and rage, all desire for revenge and retaliation, any thoughts of murder. We have to choose to forgive and release anybody that we can think of. And, and sometimes this is the tough one. Everybody that the Lord brings to our mind and anybody else that we can't even remember in Jesus' name. I, I know it's hard, but listen, if God can forgive us unconditionally and we can't forgive unconditionally, then we have positioned ourselves in a higher place than God. Where we have misplaced our confidence and trust in somebody who has exploited and betrayed us, bitterness and resentment and, and bitter root judgments bind us to our betrayer. That betrayal can occur in the world, but the reality is that it can also too often occur in the church. It is imperative for us to choose as an act of our will to forgive our betrayer giving that offense to God and, and to release ourselves and so enable God to undertake justice on our behalf. God has given us free will to choose our response and he will not violate or override our will even if it might be in our best interest. This is not something to be taken lightly. This is not even an option. It is a requirement. If we are to live free from the toxicity of bad soul ties, this has so many tremendous spiritual applications. Uh, the, 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 the implications of this are so deep because this can keep us out of, of, of where we want to be in our relationship with God. The Lord says, if you can't forgive them, I, I can't forgive you. If you can't accept them, I can't accept you. Um, and I know it's hard. I've, I've dealt with it myself. I know this is a toughie, but it's the word. It's in the word, we, and, and you can't argue with the word. You know, the, the spirit of Jezebel is at work in our world today, and, and it's using seduction and sex and soul ties to isolate, manipulate, and control. These spirits are unfaithful. They break vows. They abandon. They will sell you out to that dangerous network of demonic messengers and eunuchs and guards. You are in a spiritual war whether you want to be or not. There are high-level spiritual assignments against you and the church. There are devils on the loose who are intent to steal, kill, and destroy your life, your marriage, your family, your ministry. And your success depends on your ability to see this spirit's operations you cannot fight what you refuse to see. Spiritual warfare is part of Christianity, and the spiritual warfare is not over. Jesus did not ignore demon powers, and he didn't teach his apostles to ignore them either. 
The Apostle Paul pulled the natural curtain back to see what goes on in the spiritual realm. He taught the church in Ephesus how to battle unseen spirits. He said to us, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand. That means fight back in the evil day. And having done all to stand, the spirit that is at work in this world today will sell itself and you out. The spirit is not, it's not faithful in relationships, word or deed. And we are taking the bait. If you give this spirit a place in your life, chaos and destruction is going to follow. The bottom line is to avoid personal relationships with those who have a different spirit than you. It's one thing when a family member carries a toxic spirit, but it's another to pursue a relationship with somebody that has that spirit. I'm talking about a spirit that will profane, defile, pollute, and desecrate relationships and organizations at every level. A loyal person is true-hearted and steadfast in allegiance. In other words, they're faithful. But the devil that's at work today has no faithful qualities. He's not looking for friendships. He's looking for control. The, 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 the devils that are at work in our world today are not interested. Uh, the, their interest in you is limited to what you can do for them. And once something or somebody better comes along, they, they will shelf you until you become useful again if, if you ever do. This, this whoredom spirit is a worldly spirit. It's, a well, it's very well versed in the things of this world, like status and titles and position. It understands what it takes to gain power within the, spirit of, the system of Babylon, within a religious church, and even in a prophetic church. This is an earthly, carnal, sensuous spirit that is not afraid to use sex to create the most dangerous of soul ties. Soul ties are those strings that the Jezebel spirit uses to tie you to it. Like we said, they can be physical, emotional, and spiritual. Listen to me. This is, this is, this is a very seductive spirit that wants nothing more than to seduce and capture and control. This spirit cannot control you without first seducing you. Seduction is a spiritual force. And understand, the sensual enticements come in many ways, especially through flattery. The, the, you know, this is a spirit that may say things like, nobody, nobody understands you like I do. Or, or she may flirt and get all touchy-feely. This spirit knows how to pull on your soul. But the scripture tells us what to do. This is an amazing scripture. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 24 through 26 says this, To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. 
This spirit is a hunting spirit. It's always on the prowl. It knows how to work the crowd. The good news is the anointing breaks the yoke and removes the burden. The Lord wants to set you free from the hurt and the wounds and the rejection and the abuse and the abandonment and the rebellion. If godly soul ties are holding you hostage, you got to make the decision today to evaluate your relationship and eliminate all ungodly soul ties. So now the question becomes, how do I break soul ties? How do I break the soul ties? Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's see what it's going to take in order to do that. Now, everybody wants a formula. This is not an easy thing to do. But let me give you some pointers to help you. Okay, are you ready? There are certain things that you can do to help you through this trying and uncomfortable process of breaking free from a relationship that you feel God wants you to get free of. You ready? Number one, number one, this is how you break soul ties. Number one, decide to please God more than anybody else. You have one life to live, and it matters to God. One day, you're going to stand before God, and you're going to give an account of your life and what you were called to do during your time here on this earth. You cannot live your life displeasing God in order to please somebody else. All that's going to do is eventually bring you uh, to a life of deep regret. You have to come to the place in your life where pleasing God is the most important thing to do. If he's prompting you to end a relationship that you're uh, you're tied to, end it. Allowing yourself to have as much influence as God should, should have in your life opens the door for Satan to come into your life. You are not in control. And if he tells you, listen, if he tells you, you've got to end that relationship, end it. And, and, and understand, I know, I know it's not easy. I understand that. And the devil will make it so much harder for you to give up that soul tie. The right time to cut the strings is now, today, this very minute. While you're listening to this podcast, just make the decision right now. It's over. It's over. I have cut that soul tie. It's done. The second way that you cut, that you, that you break the soul tie, build yourself up in the word. You must have daily doses of the Word of God in order to develop the strength to sever an ungodly soul tie. You cannot do this on your own. Filling yourself with God's Word can help you make the right decisions. It must be part of your strategic plan to be free from your past. The Bible is your greatest. This is the greatest weapon you have against Satan. He doesn't want you to break your soul ties. He's desperately working to keep you locked into that situation. The devil will lie to you, and and he'll convince you that you cannot live without that person with whom you have developed a soul tie. He will remind you day and night of all the good times, the fun times, the laughter. And he will torment you into thinking you cannot live without that person. The devil's a liar. God's word, the truth, will override the lies of Satan. Just like anything else, you won't see results overnight. You have to make studying the word of God a habit. You decide your habits. Your habits will decide your future. 
And then thirdly, if you want to break those soul ties, you got to wean yourself from that person. You literally have to wean yourself from that person to whom you have ungodly soul ties. To wean means to deprive. You have to deprive yourself of this this wrong soul tie until you no longer miss him or her. Listen to this. There's going to come a day when you will no longer miss them. Psalm chapter 131 and verse 2 says, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me ceased from fretting. I don't know if you have this experience or not, but parents can can certainly, most parents can can certainly uh, uh, relate to what I'm about to say. Have you ever had a child and tried to take him off of a pacifier? Gets to the point to where, you know, uh, they're going into the first grade, they probably don't want to take the pacifier with them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, we get that point where you have to take away the pacifier. And, and, and parents will agree that it's torture. It is torture. That child will scream at the top of their lungs for that thing. But you can't give in. It's not good for you. know it's not good for them. To, it's it's gonna, If they hold on to it, it's going to cause problems. And you can't give in. You just have to sometimes just let them cry. It can go on night after night, and eventually the crying stops. Finally, they don't even miss it. When you first deny yourself of your wrong soul tie, rest assured your spirit is going to throw a fit. Your emotions will scream and fight for the right to stay in bondage. But the more you deny yourself that thing that you are screaming for, the less you begin to desire it. Your flesh will eventually stop throwing temper tantrums and you'll start being subdued or or subsided rather by the spirit of God. There's so many ways to wean yourself off of an ungodly soul tie. And the most obvious and important action to take is to cut all communication. Don't call them. Don't answer the phone when they call. Don't hang out in places where you know they're going to be. And whatever you do, don't be alone with them. Don't email them. Delete their emails. Don't even open them. You see an email? Delete. I know it sounds harsh. I know. Well, that sounds so mean. You're a pastor. Why do you say? Because I understand how hard it is to break those soul ties. You you may have to take a drastic measure or some drastic measures to be free, but I promise you it's worth it. Doing this is being obedient to God, and you will never regret submitting to your Heavenly Father. God always blesses obedience. Remember this, partial obedience is still disobedience. Disobedience opens the door for a curse to come on your life. Fully obey what you know God is telling you to do. Because when you compromise, agony and anxiety become your companion. When when you obey God, peace and joy become a part of your life. You can never have total peace when you're in disobedience to God. The only way to obtain peace is to submit to him and do whatever he wants you to do. Your feelings will lie to you. You have to shut them up and do do what you know you're supposed to do. And then the fourth way that we break soul ties is repent of any sin that involved that person. If, 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 you, if you had adultery or fornication or et cetera, 
it is vital that you repent of those sins and receive God's forgiveness for it before you can go on about breaking the soul tie. Fifthly, uh, you've got to forgive the person of any wrongs done. If you have any unforgiveness in your heart against the person, you've got to, re- you've got to choose to release that bitterness and forgive that person. The Bible is very clear that bitterness defiles a man. And then number six, how do we break soul ties? Number six, renounce any covenants made with that person. If you've made any spoken commitments, vows, even simply saying, I will love you forever. Those words have ample power in the spiritual realm to bind the soul to that person. That that's how soul ties are formed in the first place. A lot of times is by the words. Remember we talked about it last week. If you didn't hear it, go back and watch last week's or listen to last week's podcast. We talked about this: how that your words form soul ties. These spoken covenants need to be renounced in order to break the soul tie. When you renounce something, you basically take them back verbally. You spoke them verbally. Now it's time to take them back verbally. For example, if a woman has had a soul tie with a man who uh, was not the, the right one and said that she would never be able to love another man, then this needs to be renounced. If she wants to break the soul tie, such a woman could, could renounce it by saying something like this, I renounce having said that I will never be able to love another man. It's simple, but it, it's powerful. Next, the next way to break the soul tie, get rid of any gifts that were exchanged. Because gifts also symbolize a relationship and can hold a soul tie in place. If a person has a ring, a personal gift, cards, jewelry, other relationship gifts from a previous relationship, it's time to get rid of them. I don't care how much they cost. I don't care how nice it goes with that, with that new sweater. Holding on to such gifts symbolizes that the relationship is still in good standing and can actually hold the soul tie in place even after it's been renounced. Learn more about the power of symbols in the, uh, if you just look it up sometimes, symbolic representations and see there's some powerful soul ties there. Google it. Look it up. Trust me, there's there's some dark stuff there holding on to, to stuff uh, that come from a soul tie. Uh, the next thing to do when you're breaking a soul tie, this is this is uh, one of the most powerful, one of the most important. Renounce and break the soul tie in Jesus' name. Verbally renouncing something carries a lot of weight in the spiritual realm. Just as vows can bind the soul, renouncing can release the soul from bonds. Jesus said that whatsoever you shall loose on on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, That that heavenly realm and that spiritual realm working together, you can renounce and loose yourself from an ungodly soul tie by simply denouncing it and declaring your freedom. And and you you may have to do that more than one time. You may have to do it often. But I'm telling you, there is hope. There is hope. If you find yourself in an unhealthy soul tie, you can never fall so far that you can't be restored. New life is available to you by simply repenting and asking Jesus to forgive you. Forgiveness restores the standard in our lives, and you can live in freedom, and you can live in hope again. It can be done. 
can be done, but you got to want it. You got to recognize there's a problem and then you got to want to be free from it. I just want to take the time right now. You may be watching this. You may be listening to this podcast right now and you're saying, oh, you just, you're all over me. That's, that's where I am. I know, I know, I know it's not healthy. I know it's not good. But it's so hard to break this soul tie. What what do I need to do? I want to I want to pray with you because you don't you're not doing this by yourself. Um, I believe the Lord wants to help you to be free. So can we pray, Father? I I, I thank you for 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 your your faithfulness and your goodness, and I, I thank you, Lord, that you have a desire in your heart for us to be free. I thank you, Lord, for the good soul ties. I thank you, Lord, for marriage, and I thank you, Father, for the the, the soul ties that are, uh, Lord, that, that you have called us to that edify, the soul ties that we have that encourage us, that strengthen us. But, Father, some are, are, are listening and, and watching this podcast, and they're, they're in the bondage of a soul tie that is not healthy at all. And I pray today, Lord, for the grace for them to be able to overcome that, that they would hear the teaching that we've done, and maybe from that they can receive the instruction they need to say, you know what, I can be free. I can be free. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give them the boldness that is needed to break that soul tie. But not only that, I pray that you would give them the grace to spiritually and emotionally to mentally be set free from that. And I pray that they're going to find an abundance in Jesus and an an abundance of a life that, that is committed to following after Christ without ungodly and unhealthy soul ties. And I pray, Lord, that, that that's going to happen. It's going to happen quickly. And when it does, we're going to rejoice in you and we're going to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you have made our day by taking the time to join us for today's podcast. Now, would you be so kind as just to do us a huge favor? Okay, it's actually three favors, uh, but who's counting? Uh, Number one, uh, whatever podcast platform that you're using to listen or watch Outflow, would you please subscribe to our channel? And if you like what you hear, could you leave us a favorable review? And then finally, please spread the word. Tell your friends and family about us and uh, uh, let them know that uh, they might want to listen in. They might want to grab a, a, an episode of, or two of, uh, of Outflow. If you have a particular question or topic that you would like for us to discuss, feel free to email those to us. The email address is very simple to remember. You ready for it? Here it is. Just send questions, topics, or comments to Outflow at outflow.online, outflow at outflow.online. We would absolutely love to hear from you. I'm Alan King coming to you from the studios of River of Life Church in Valdez, North Carolina, where I also have the privilege to serve as those great folks' uh, lead pastor. Thank you again for making us a part of your day. Now, get out there and be blessed. And while you're at it, be a blessing.